0: Hello everyone, it's Paul Newbegin here from The Past Podcast with some very exciting news. I am absolutely delighted that Series 5 of The Past Podcast is brought to you in partnership with our wonderful friends at Chefworks, who are our sponsors last time round as well, so it's great to have them back. And as you'll know, they are famous for outfitting chefs, kitchens and front of house all around the world. Chefworks offer a collection of great uniforms, so to check out their full range, you can visit chefworks.co.uk. Thank you again to Chefworks, and it's great to be back for Series 5 of The Past Podcast. Enjoy! It is such a pleasure to pick up with Josh Whitehead, friend of the show. Uh, He's already been on this series, so we left a bigger gap in between his full episode um, and he talks about obviously the Harwood Food and Drink Project which regular listeners will know appear regularly on the show but I think it's important to include him in his own right because he's a fantastic chef and he's somebody that you everybody should be watching out for for the future, he's only young, he's only a little baby a bit, you're a, a lead boy. Yeah. You know what I was thinking as I was coming over here was when I realised that you're younger than me and just thinking not just the amount you know about cooking but you're like me in that you obsess over it right and you, oh, yeah. all the chefs you know and who's who and who's like yeah. where did it all
1: well begin? I'm a bit of a geek I'm a bit boring really because I talk about it outside of work and that's all I talk about yeah, well, same here well yeah that's all it is so but bit... where
0: did it all begin where did the obsession start? Well, I don't know
1: I don't know to be honest because I, I don't know to be honest because I would. I remember being at school and like they did, like food tech and that, and I were like, you know, convinced I would next Ramsay and all this, <laughs> and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't cook a risotto or something like that, and it had like basmati rice in it that were crunchy and chicken were raw and, st- you know, I didn't have a clue. But like, you know, when people are oh, with my grandma in the kitchen and all this, I never, I never really had that. Right. And I'm the only chef in my family as well, so there's no one, you know, I've not followed anyone to do it. I can't really remember. I, you know, I just—I've yeah. never wanted to do anything else. I've yeah. never thought about doing anything else. So but you like
0: me, aren't you? In that you just you research places, chefs, and you bloody know everybody as well. Every time I say who I'm interviewing, you're like, oh yeah, I know him. I've worked with him. I've done yeah. him. <laughs> like that. Like you've been done the rounds, haven't you? Yeah,
1: I don't it's, it's a bit incestual, is this industry? I think. <laughs> you know, what I mean, especially if you like, if you really like it and you're really passionate about it, everyone knows each other somehow. Whether they have worked with each other or they've eaten with each other or they've done whatever or friend of a friend and all and all that, you know, everyone usually knows each other. Like I say, it's all we're all incestual.
0: <laughs> but you've you've done the rounds in terms of internationally as well, haven't you? You know, quite young age and you've. Been abroad eating and learning and up yeah, and down the
1: country. yeah. Well, a lot of places that I've worked, you know, I've known about places I want to go, and I think you know, so like, oh, poor poor him and that. I think it's like a good way to learn is to go and eat at these places, you know. So I would like save wages and you know go to Copenhagen and whatever and eat here, or go to Spain and eat here and do this and do this. Yeah. And I'm one of those where if I'm going on holiday. You know, I say if me and my missus were going away, or me and my mates, I've already decided where I'm eating before I get there. Yeah. I've usually got a table booked somewhere before I go, because <laughs> that's all I think. You know, that's all the things. Table about. first, I'm yeah, the same. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I want to skip forward to the exciting event because we can deal with that and get rid of the Mary Berry in the room first. <laughs> I thought, if we get it out of the way, all right, yeah. Then, do you know <laughs> what I mean? Because then we, you, you don't know when I'm going to build up to it. Am I going to surprise you with Mary? Let's go straight in I forgot, with... About, I forgot about but well, I didn't forget about you it. Can't. There's a Mary Berry-shaped sh- elephant in the room <laughs> that on Christmas Day, millions of us around the country saw your yeah, beautiful opponent. face cooking <laughs> a pie. How did that all come about?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't really know, to be honest. How it first came about. So right at the start of it, so right starting in the beginning was before I started working full-time at Harwood the second event we did I was looking into the history of the house and stuff like this and food and Louis Lecomte the chef used to make this big Yorkshire pie thing it was like quite a tradition so I thought it would be cool to do put that on the menu for this pop up so I, I, I got in touch with Callum Franklin, sent him an email and asked him if I could do a day with him and he was like yeah give me a day for free, what a legend and just taught me how to make pie all day So I tried to get it on the menu. It didn't really work. Blah blah blah. And then I just started doing them because I wanted to. I wanted to know how to do it. So I taught myself how to do it properly. And from what I knew from Callum, and then I think Mary Berry and the production team were going to be doing a program anyway. You know about the food and the history of the house and stuff like that. So they were doing records for like three weeks, four weeks. You know, gathering information, and they asked for a meeting with me and my boss Eddie to gain information because obviously well Howard Food and drink Project we're going to know more about the food history and what's going on now yeah. and back then more than anyone else yeah. so we were just chatting away to them and they obviously took a liking to us and then got a phone call a Lord few knows weeks no yeah I don't know why either <laughs> I don't know why would you put this prick on that? Um, and then I got a phone call a few weeks later and they, they just asked if I wanted to make a pie with Mary Berry I was like
0: yeah.
1: well yeah go on then <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to say no <laughs> to that are you no, yeah, yeah. But, yeah we're, yeah, we're mad. Like, I had to jump through all these hurdles, you know, and do all this and provide all this, and I'm fucking hell, this is mad. Yeah. And then I went, I was on holiday, and they had to fly me back a day early because that was the day that they'd set to film. I was like, all right, frigging hell. So I came back and did it, and then when I walked in and i have seen our, lo- our Ladyship, Mary Berry, I'm like, all right, frig... All oh, right. Oh yeah, it's real now. Yeah, but he were good though. She's ace.
0: Yeah, and you had quite a natural rapport together, and I think you seemed to get on quite well. Yeah, she
1: were cut. Cool. She were cool, man. I, I, I don't know. I would the one thing I was more nervous about than anything. Well, apart from nervous about cutting into the pine, it being raw in the middle. But I was more nervous about like you know Mary Berry being a bit of an arsehole off screen. But she's not. She's even nicer off screen than she is on screen. <laughs> somehow, she
0: yeah, she was. That's so cool, and it's such a it's such a you thing to do. In that you just kind of pop up in these like random places.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, that's kind of like. Well, yeah, I've been doing that for a while. Like even way before Howard and stuff like that. You know, I just just do random shit. Yeah, and just be like, what what's he doing? Like, you know, like I'm in. You know, I did a pop-up in a working men's club once and I'm like, what, what's he, what, what are you doing there? Or, you know, just might not hear from me for ages and I'll just appear and do something right random. And then, yeah, blink and I'm making a pie with Mary Berry.
0: Was the MasterChef thing a bit of a whim? Did you just apply for that as a bit of a whim?
1: Well, that were a bet. That was a <laughs> bet to do that. Because I bet my mate that he'd apply, he wouldn't apply for it. So he said, well, if you do it, if I apply, you've got to do it. So yeah. I'm like alright then he went I bet you will I was like I bet you fucking 20 quid I will so we were like alright so then when I went to the toilet I just filled it out whilst I was sat on loop <laughs> and then I got a phone call a few weeks later and i like oh shit and then they rang me again and asked me for a face to face interview and I'm like oh shit <laughs> and, then they, and then they rang me and said do you want to come on the show and I'm like oh
0: shit <laughs> yeah but then even then you were so you just you didn't seem phased you were sort of no. laughing with Marcus well so. I mean it,
1: like in hindsight, if I had another chance to go on, if I could do it again, I would do, mm. you know, because I'm, you know, I'm more mature, I've, yeah. I know more, I'm a bit more knowledgeable and stuff now. Having said that, when I did it, I had no to lose. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I was were, I were really young, I was naive and inexperienced, and I just, you know, I had nothing to lose. I so was just like, for, you know, I'll go on, I'll be myself, and, you know, if I do all right, I do all right, if I don't, I don't. Yeah.
0: But I seem to remember, like, re watching it a little uh, relatively recently i don't know how i must have caught it on on demand or something and i still do remember thinking like you could tell even then and and i think it was commented on the time that for a young lad you had this interest in kind of pushing out there with flavours but you also had quite a good grounding it, uh, yeah, I think they did. They did
1: pick up on a few things like that, which you know, which was really nice and humbling and stuff. And I think now that I look back, when I was cooking around that time and a little bit before, you know, it was always like, you know, doing as many things as you can, trying to impress and trying to go over the top and stuff like that. It, you know, still tastes good. Whereas now I'm more like, like proper cooking. You know, trying to extract you know as much flavor out of anything as I can. You know, using old techniques and stuff like that, you know, fucking doing gels and foams and raw shellfish all the time. It's not necessarily for me as much, you know, it's got a time and a place, but now I think I'm more mature, you know, and cook better. You know, I'd do a completely different dish if I went back on it now.
0: You said to me that when I was arranging a date that you already knew what your dishes were, what your five dishes were going to be. How did you manage to kind of... Condensed it cuz i think you wanted to probably put 60 on your menu. Yeah,
1: probably. I mean <laughs> when when i said i when i said i had them i had four straight away that i think are pretty good if i can remember them. And then I, I didn't do the last one because I thought I'll just see what see what comes to mind first.
0: Wing it on the day. Yeah, yeah see what happens. <laughs>
1: Bit like Master Chef and Mary Berry, that one, isn't it? You You're just a
0: natural at winging yeah, it. Yeah, aren't yeah. You? <laughs> yeah. So how did you, how did you know your four straight away? Are they from restaurant trips? Are they from your career? Um,
1: yeah, some of them are. Some of them, well, one or two of them are from like when I was a, a kid. Some of them are from a career, and then a couple of them are, are my dish. Um, so, like, one of them is the pâté on crew, by, you know, that Callum Franklin did. A, because it's banging, like, it is proper naughty. And I really like, like, like I was saying about proper cooking, I like craft and I like, you know, things that take a lot of skill and time and effort to put in. So that's one thing. And then the way that he makes the pie sort of changed the way I think, as a, you know, as a chef. So like what i 've learned about that and the me- the method of doing that, I can apply into other things, and like you know making a pie you 've got to concentrate the whole way across no. across it because if you if you do something wrong early on and you think, oh fuck, it'll be all right there's no going back, you know what I mean, so you 've got to make sure every step's perfect, mm. you know, so I really like that, and then thirdly, because it you know it had a it had a pretty massive factory now I got on tele with Mary Berry so that's an obvious reason yeah. why that's a Yeah.
0: You know, cool. And there is something about like what you were just saying before we put the mics live is that there's that kind of classicness to it and but you're also able to make it modern. So you you know, just before we came you gave me the proper classic chips the, yeah what is it fondant is, would
1: that, that, a, that one that that it oh that yeah. one pom, pom pressé yeah in so there. that's
0: like really classic and, yeah and then you're bringing it in
1: right yeah exactly you can put modern like I was saying with the pom pressé and stuff and like I was saying a new thing we made now is potatoes and stuff and trying to like learn how to do classic potato dishes oh, yeah. the right way but making them specific to Harvard it's like it's like the pies when we made them with Mary Berry we had you know venison from the estate wild ducks from the estate rabbit from the estate We had um, figs that we we grew the figs, we dried them out, so just, like, dried figs, and then we make our own gin and then we soak the figs in the gin, let them soak, chopped them up and mixed them through. So it was, like, this classic French thing, really beautiful technique, but then it's, like... Howard as fuck. Yeah. We even made his own spice mix to yeah. go through it, you know, made from various things that we could gather from the estate. So it was a Harewood pie, which is yeah. cool as
0: we'll talk we'll definitely talk about the Harwood Food and Drink Project. Obviously, hopefully people that have listened will have heard your boss Eddie on the podcast in the past. Fingers crossed. He, he's been on there twice, I think, maybe even three times. But there is something that you just said there, and that's what I kind of think a lot about you and about what sums up Harwood is it it's that doing everything from scratch. And by scratch, I mean from the absolute, like you've just alluded to, the making the gin to soak the figs. to do. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's something that's quite important to you, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, everything, you know, everything goes into, you know, so much goes into everything that we do. Like, even with, so, like, you know, we've got wild game on the estate, but we've got lamb and we've got beef. So, like, we've got two breeds of beef. Some are better, you know, one breed's better for this, one breed's better for this. But, like, we had a burger on the menu at Northern Monk, but that burger is made of like all that's in it is beef from our cows, that's all, that's all that goes in it apart from some a little bit of salt and some bone marrow some different cuts, the cows get, the cows drink beer that we make <laughs> made from hops from our estate and then we were trying we're experimenting with the, at Northern Monk all the wasted grain that comes out of the out of the mash tun and stuff like that taking that and the cows eat that so that's like grassroots, that's like right from the very beginning, yeah. you know, right from the very beginning and then ultimately when you eat this burger, it's got this beef, it's got all these processes yeah. in, it's even got onions that's cooked in that beer, you know, so it's like, you eat it and it's it tastes amazing, but like, there's so many processes behind it that you can't, you know, you're not going to write it on a menu because you'd be writing a fucking essay, but there's so many processes in it that you can't see that we feel are massively important.
0: Yeah, and there's something very, very relevant in what you've said there about the kind of zero or as little as you can wastage as well. That's so on trend at the minute.
1: Yeah, I'm, God, yeah. I mean, it's one of those where it's like, it's on trend, and I'm like, oh, you, you know, it's another trend. But I just see it as like normal and something that we have to do, especially for us. Like, you know, we grow vegetables, we raise animals, and we shoot animals and stuff like that. So if we're wasting anything, You know, fifty percent of the time it's money, but the other half of the time it's like, we, you know, why, why would, why would we waste that? You know what I mean? Like, you know, when we get deers, for example, I'll go out on the shoot and we'll process the whole thing. Nothing of it gets wasted. We'll turn the hides into, you know, we'll tan the hides and we might wrap wooden chopping boards with it or make carpets out of it. We'll make steak knives out of the antlers. We'll make. You know, coat hangers out the antlers. We'll use all the offal. We'll use everything in it. You know, the beef. You know, you know. If we, if we, if I bought a calf now, it might take me ten years before I can eat that cow. And he's got to go through this whole process. We've got to pay for the feed. We've got to feed it. We've got to keep after it. We've got to move, uh, look after it. Move it all the time. So why am I going to waste anything? Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. so rightly so. If it's now a track, if it's now a trend, and more people are thinking about waste then Banging.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't mean that because sometimes when you say well, it's very trendy, that you could be derogatory or most. Yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. mean it like no, that. no, yeah. Uh, that's what I've said to Eddie before in the past that I've always, you know, liked about Harwood. You know, is that it's it's so relevant to what's happening there, and it's bringing something new into Leeds, right? Yeah, yeah. I j- I just think like Har- Harwood itself's
1: got a really rich food history. You know what I mean? It- you know, it's been known for known for doing loads of different things. A massive wall garden, mulberry tree, which is quite an unusual thing. The wild meat, the beef, the cows, stuff like that. Um, so I think it's we we especially me have got a great opportunity to like showcase this. You know, show a side of it that not everyone would know. And I think that's why the project's really good because we you know we're showing stuff off of how would the people like. Oh really? The fucking you know, you grew that like Howard's Food History. There's a there's an old behind-the-wall gar- garden. There's a lot of greenhouses that aren't in use at the minute, but they they've got a pipe system running through them. That's powered by a water boiler. And what they used to do was they would uh, you burn wood chip to heat a water boiler. That water boiler would create a tropical atmosphere in these you know in these wall gardens so that because of that to be able to grow stuff like sugarcane, pineapples lemons peaches grapes figs yeah. all of this so really in modern, Leeds even, you know what I mean yeah. all those years ago you know what I mean so it's got such a food massive food history that we're like working towards every day to like get the message out there
0: so if people haven't heard heard about the the project we can we can talk about it now as soon as we're on it um eddie's like i say has been on the on the podcast before but essentially harwood is a beautiful stately country home and estate that people should and would have seen on merry various christmas as we've just been talking about um and eddie's kind of vision i suppose was to bring all the amazing things that can be grown some of which that you've just alluded to into various different food and drink Things right, so you do amazing beer, you do the gin, which every you know, which people in Yorkshire love, and it goes further beyond Yorkshire, I know. And then you do food nights and experiences like what you're doing at the minute in yeah. Northern Monk. Is that summed it up
1: nicely? Yeah, that's pretty well. Yeah, I'll, I might as well just show up, mate. She pretty <laughs> much hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I th- he's got like I say, he's he's like me, he's just wanting to get the message in the story acro- across and really showcase how I would. You know, we've had a we've had a mad year. Like we've expanded so much. Like I you know, this time last year I didn't work full time for the project, so it's just it's expanded. So yeah, like you say at the minute, we brew our own beers, we brew some with biggest thing that we do, massive part of what we do is collaboration. Mm. So that that's like the core of the project. So like last the year before last we made four beers. Each one of those was made with a different brewery. we brewed another beer with Northern Monk, you know. They even came to the estate and picked all the hops with us. Um, We made gin, that was in collaboration with Whittaker's. Before I started working full-time with them, the only food events that they'd do would be in collaboration with me. We collaborate with the college to get students in. We've even hired an apprentice, so I've got an apprentice from the college now, which is great. You know, we collaborate with people all the time, so like you say, we're just trying to show off what we got, really.
0: And like you say, you kind of came in to help run what kind of were the flagship or signature events, if you like, the Hidden Harwoods. And that was when guests kind of got to explore the estate, and then you would take over a space, which I was lucky enough to go to, and you would just do an amazing night yeah. showing off the produce, right?
1: Yeah, so the hidden Harwoods, the whole premise of it is, like, hidden parts of the estate that you wouldn't go to. You know, if you went to visit Harwoods, you wouldn't be able to go to these spaces. So, for example, on the first one, you would... the. They'd pull up and then they'd walk up this road and then they'd have some canopies on the brow of this hill next to an old church that overlooks the house. And then they'd get into the back of a trailer pulled by a tractor. And then they'd get driven to an old shoot lodge in the middle of a a field full of lamb, like a really tiny little cottage thing. And they'd have a few courses in there. And then they'd get driven down to this old building uh, called the Hovels, which was, I don't even know what it's for actually, but it's a beautiful old building right in the middle of nowhere they'd have a couple of courses in there, then they'd get back on the tractor and then they'd get driven right up, well it's called Church Lane, but right up this hill, it's got this unbelievable view of all of North Yorkshire, then then right all of a sudden be like right, get off, <laughs> they're like right, okay, and then you go through this fence, walk through this magical walkway right through the woods and then there's this like folly at the end that's all lit up, fire pits and all that everywhere and I've petty petty us there yeah. and then we change it up each time we have it so you know there was a winter in the woods where they went to this cottage right in the middle of the woods you know it took like 20 minutes to drive through the estate to get it but you get there and it's all snowy just looks amazing so it's just like tailored events to the seasons, but also showing areas yeah. of the estate that you just would not ever get to see.
0: When we went, we pulled up on a tractor and we walked through these beautiful bluebells. Oh yeah, the bluebells of spring. And it was yeah. so. It was just. It's just. It was unlike anything I'd ever done before. I mean, getting on a tractor is always great fun, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughing laughs> it. Yeah, see, everyone's like di- different to the last one. Like the the spring one, like we had it in the old barn. If you like, you remember. And like that, would that was beautiful. Anyway, it was the barn, but like the bluebell woods, that walk going through the bluebells, and like you like you saw, it was just blanketed with bluebells. It's an unusual thing, you know. It's a really really nice thing. So that's like we want to show that. Yeah. Whilst the food and the service is important, we're trying to show off the best of the estate, and we're like, right, we've got you know maybe two week window where all this grounds blanketed by bluebells. So we're like, right, let's do an event around that. Let's do that so we can show that off
0: let's come back to Harwood but let's get some more of your dishes so what's your second dish can you remember (laughs)
1: Uh, so it's it's the first I think it's the first dish I ever pitched to Eddie when we had when the first time we ever met when we were talking about using the estate produce and stuff like that and so they've got so we've got mulberry trees on the estate there's two one of them looks like the weeping willow out of Harry Potter it's about 150 years old and every year, when the season, we all manically pick it, pick mulberries for a few weeks to make our gin. So I was like, I'd quite like to use them, and it's like they're in short supply. So I, used, I managed to talk the gardener into letting me use the branches. So I made, I, he gave me some of the wood from the tree, and I made a roasted mulberry wood ice cream. Nice. And um, served it with like fresh mulberries, a little bit of cucumber, and some oats and stuff like that. Really unusual where you know where else would you get mulberry wood Yeah, you know there's obviously there's mulberry trees growing around but it's mulberry wood so it's yeah. you know it's a taste of the estate and it would create it went down a the tree and it would <laughs> it would double taste you know <laughs>
0: it, I know we spoke about it before but it must be amazing for a young chef with all these ideas that you obviously have to go I've got this world-class <laughs> estate with ingredients that no other chef around can easily access. Yeah,
1: it's just, you know, it's mad. Like, being able to get my own figs and stuff like that, it's just, it's it's mad. It's just mad. And the garden, when it's in full flourish, fuck me, you've never seen anything like it. It's yeah. amazing. It's, you know, it's like, what, 100 acres or whatever it is. It looks incredible, and we grow like all sorts of fruit and vegetables. And Maria, who you saw on the program, trying to work quite closely together to build a plan of what I can grow for the year. You know, we're quite well aligned. I'm like, oh yeah, I quite like to grow this type of fruit. Oh yeah, I want to grow that fruit. We're like, sick, let's grow it. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean. And then, like yeah, like you say, I've got loads of ideas, but I've just got so much resource available to me. You know, I'm like, if I want if I want venison I can get venison no problem get a whole one, no problem rabbits whenever you want you know we've got we've got amazing beef seriously seriously good beef the, the Aberdeen Angus is, is amazing but the, be, the Highland cattle is it's like nothing I've ever had before this 14 year old Highland cattle and we can have that and I'm like oh yeah I wouldn't mind dry it you know what would that be like if I dry aged it for 100 days I can do it Yeah, you know what I mean we've got lamb if I want to hang them for four weeks, I can hang them for four weeks. I can do whatever I want. Yeah,
0: because your your job role, effectively, is just to run the food programme, basically, right? And to, <coughs> and to work with Eddie to basically go, what? how can we make the best out of what we've got?
1: Yeah, make the best out of what we've got, show it off, and how can we improve it? And preserve it as well, you know, like... You know, we've got to extend it. You know, we're not, like... We're not a restaurant, which is what I've got to, like, try and... Oh, we're not yet, but that's future that's somewhere. yeah uh, this is what i've got to, like trying hard to explain it's like you know when you're in a restaurant if you put like fillet of beef on a menu you know and you do you know you can order fillet of beef for 60 people monday through saturday if you want whereas me i might get i might only get two cows at a time so i've only got you know four full fillets that's not going to feed 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 an event for you know 200 people you know, so I've got to be clever about how I get it butchered and what I do with it and things like that. Same with the vegetables, how am I gonna preserve a glut of what we've got? But it's good laugh finding out.
0: <laughs> That's so cool. Let's have your uh let's have your next, your third dish.
1: Shepherd's pie.
0: Nice. Yeah. It's a Especially fucking, with a lamb that you can get in
1: house. Yeah, with. <laughs> I mean it's it is fucking sick. Like I say, I'm not I haven't got a like Food history, as it were, you know, like as in, oh, I watched me, grandma cook, or oh, watch me, mum cook, or oh, I did this and did this, or oh, I remember when my grandma used to do that. But we did always used to have shepherd's pie on a Tuesday and a Friday, made by my grand. That was just a thing. Other than that, I fucking love shepherd's pie, proper like it. And we started making it quite a lot for events, and we bought a cafe recently. Um, we bought a cafe recently, and the shepherd's pie on the menu there, and we make it with lamb from the estate, but we do, you know like, our way of doing it where we've got like, slowly roasted lamb shoulders that just pop, pull apart and stuff like that, it's just, it's just great dish I just, I just love it I've got it tattooed on my leg as well I've got a big shepherd's pie tattooed on the back of my leg I
0: think I saw that actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's mint but I think I think that to me that sums you up as well because when I think about your food as we've kind of alluded to I do I I automatically do think about this modern because I do see you as this young chef but like we've said there is when I had the the sauce that you made out of the black pudding at the uh, at the Harwood event, there is that heartiness and you are concerned massively, as you've just said, with the flavour. Yeah, totally. I mean there's
1: there's methods behind things that are like to do with the story. Like that sauce you were talking about, War of the Roses sauce, you know, to do with the war between Yorkshire and Lancashire, blah blah blah. We made that with fresh blood and stuff, you know, whilst there's cool stories and stuff, that it's gotta taste like it's gotta taste good. If you don't taste good, what's there's a fucking point in doing it? Might as well be out. I might as well not turn up to work if I can't make it taste good. with well, that bit? I do time for flavour. Yeah. beans. It's right. Like it. You know. It's right. That's a like sole purpose of what we do is to get flavour. So, whilst it can be cool and trendy and interesting, it's got to taste good. Which goes back to all these methods of stuff that we do beforehand dry-aging all his meat, feeding his meat the right thing, the correct way, storing our vegetables the proper way, making making recipes the correct way, methods of how we do it, how can we get more flavour into it, how can we make it taste better? And ultimately, like I said, everything, most of what we've got, or at least at the minute, it's not an unlimited supply. You know what I mean? We've only got limited numbers of it. So for me... Whilst I've got to make things taste good anyway, for me, because I've got limited supplies of stuff, I've got to make it taste as good as it possibly can. Because I might not get I might not get any beef fillet for, for another six months. Or this is the only bit of osabuco that I've got for eight months, you know, or you know, no one's around to help me help me do the shoot a deer, so I might not have any deer for a few weeks. So when I've got it, it's gotta be shit hot. You know what I mean? Like we've just, we're really low on lamb now and we we just booked in to send off another 10. It won't take as long to get through that 10 and then it might be another two months until I can get some more. So when we get it, it's got to be on the nose. It's got to be really, really, really good. So which is good for me, it puts pressure on me to make it taste better.
0: Yeah. It is, it is in a way, and we've spoke about it before. It is in a way a dream job, isn't it? Really, because you kind of get to go across everything, and like you said, you're doing the pop up at the minute in Northern Monk, which probably by the time this goes out will have stopped. But there's plenty of pop ups that you're going to be planning in and around Leeds, and there will be stuff going on at Harwood as well.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, there's loads going on. We've got we've got a few dates set in mind for the next year in Harwoods, and a few few bits and bobs that are going on in Leeds. I mean, if you look, you know, if you keep an eye out on us on a social media. You'll see when those things are going out. But each one of those are usually pretty different. You know the first one the first one was all about venison because it was the first thing I saw when I got there, so I was like, right, really want to use venison. The winter one was all about beef because they had the beef ready. So I really, really wanted to use it. The one that you came to lamb you know spring lamb so i had to use it yeah that was amazing
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: it was, it was nice lamb it was, yeah it is good but even with that again that's a really unique thing a hebridean lamb you know it's it's up from the highlands of scotland you know it's really small black woolly things and they're full of fat and full of flavor absolutely delicious smaller animal but they're so tasty um we've got we've got them crossbred with some Charolais now so they're a little bit bigger so again, that's a really unique thing to have, you know. I don't, I, I don't know where else has got a and Charolais cross, but we've got them.
0: What would you? What you've just kind of teased about the potential in the some maybe distant future of a permanent maybe Harewood home restaurant? Is that the way you'd like it to go? Yeah, well, well, me and Eddie were talking
1: about it this morning, and the way that we've, the way the project's expanded in in the well less than a year, has been pretty phenomenal, like it's been so impressive if it carries on, if the traction carries on the way it's been going we are going to get to a stage where we're going to need to do it because we could have an event you know, we we could have an event every week and we're just not, we're not getting it out to enough people obviously it's the ultimate goal for a chef to have to have a restaurant, same with Eddie we want a restaurant, we've got some ridiculous buildings on the estate, some banging buildings. If you put a restaurant in one of them, it'd be amazing. So yeah, like ultimate goal is to is to have a couple one, maybe two on the estate. You know, hopefully within five years or something like that.
0: Amazing. Let's have your let's have your next dish.
1: Lemon tart. Uh, yeah, tart or citron. I've had it loads of times loads of places. I remember once I had it at a Liston Street by Phil Howard. I've, and, I, and he were on the pass that night as well. Don't know if you made that specific tart, but I've, ne, I've never, ever have I eaten anything as good as in my life. Like, I, it was brilliant. Easily one of the top best dishes I've ever eaten. It was just literally a lemon tart, and I think he had a yoghurt sorbet with it. But, um, I mean, I was lucky enough to meet him after as well, and I was saying how much I love it and stuff like that, and he was just... He was saying that he was... He was on the pastry for a long time at Harvey's under Marco, so that was you know that must be Marco's recipe. But it's just it's perfect. It's just is when it's done right, it's done right. The only other one that I've had that are better that is again is at Holborn Dining Room Callum Franklins. Again, that was just that was just stupid. Both of them are just amazing lemon tart, banging.
0: And that's that's quite a signature of his, isn't it? The, the lemon tart, for Howard.
1: Yeah, I'm, I fucking know. I can see why. It's just so, so perfect with it. Like it, you know, you, it looks so simple, but if you ever make one, you'll understand how hard they are to make. There's so many points, you know, like thickness of your pastry, right angle of the pastry. Is it poked correctly? Is it cooked correctly? You know, uh, you cook you cook the custard. You know, it's just it's, it is such a hard thing to get perfect. A perfect lemon tart is well hard to make. And when you eat it, it's just, oh, man. I'm not of saliva <laughs> it,
0: <laughs> it, it strikes me that to, to know as much about the food as you do, do you, is every spare moment that you have just spent developing a dish, thinking of a dish?
1: Yeah, reading books, looking on the internet, just doing homework, watching programmes on the telly. You know, I'm... Yeah even when i go on holiday like i'm I ne- i'm not like i never i can't remember when i've ever sat around a pool with a book and, and read in the sun i'm just i don't go on holiday for that I, wherever i go whatever type of holiday i go and it's always i'll always eat i'll always research and do things like that i went to asia for three months solely to eat you know what i mean and just learn 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 learn
0: but, but as you said before you work with the local colleges and you get those students in to cook with you so what are the sort of things that you're telling them because they all obviously aspire to be like you running restaurants, running passes running these ideas and having the, like what yeah. is it that, what do you say to them to well
1: loads of stuff I teach them well I like them the basics of what I know and what I like to learn at college and stuff and what, or what I've picked up in restaurants things that you should know but I mean like with the Without being big headed or anything like the the Food and Drink Project and Howard and what I've got and what I can offer, if someone could have offered me that when I were at college, I'd be elated. And I have had some, I've had some brilliant kids, like, you know, it's got a slight concern about the chef shortage and all this problem in the future, but if we you know, if the industry's packed full of kids that are as enthusiastic as, as the ones I've met, we'll be fine. Um but like I say, like we're going back to about the flavour and how I can improve flavour and the grassroots of things. And I'm not, an, I'm not an expert on food and I'm not a top chef and I have not got as much experience as the people that, say, you've interviewed. You know, I'm only young, so I'm not an expert on food, but I'm close to being an expert on Harwood. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when they come to us, I teach them about Harwood. You know what I mean? What we, what we do and how we do it. You know what I mean? Because I'm not you know, I've had, what, nine, ten years experience you know, I'm, I think I'm doing alright but I'm not, I'm not a top, top level chef you know, like you've interviewed in Tom Aikens and Callum Franklin and Adam Hanlon and Tom Shepherd and Paul Ainsworth as well, who I love you know, I, I don't have the experience that these guys have so I can't be, t- you know, I can't be a tutor because I'm not that well experienced but I, t- I show him everything I know about Harwood
0: yeah this is a massive deal for you isn't it on the podcast oh fuck yeah man I've been waiting for you to get me on for ages no I've been waiting to get you on (laughs) for ages and and this is exactly why because it's, it's great when you can meet somebody through through doing something like this. And then it's so cool then when you find out how amazingly talented they are and you know your knowledge throughout this is Sean and your passion throughout this is Sean, so you're brilliant mate. I love yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, you know you know you know I love everything that hair would do and I want to get your fifth and final dish.
1: This is where I'll try to wing it.
0: Okay. That's fine, you can wing it. Um
1: I I'll tell you when it I'll tell you when it will actually so I would, when I were away, so split up, split up with my ex, started doing events with Hairwood, found myself in a position where I'm single and I've got loads of money. What do I do? So I booked a trip to go to Asia, left my job at Ox Club, left on New Year's Eve, had a couple of weeks off in January, and then I went round Asia. So I was around Indonesia for ages, and then I was like, oh, I really want to go to Tokyo. So I booked to go to Tokyo, and I was flying at like eleven o'clock at night from Bali. And I was sat in this bar with this Dutch guy that I've met, and he was going on the same flight. So it's like sick. So we just sat there all day getting pissed from like <laughs> eleven in the morning until eight nine o'clock at night, getting hammered. Felt like shit when I got to airport. Felt so ill, being sick and everything. And I had an eight hour flight to Tokyo. Got to the airport, and bearing in mind I'd, I'd been in like Malaysia and Singapore and Indonesia for three months, got to Tokyo at six o'clock in the morning, hanging out of my ass, <laughs> really poorly, and it was piss, it was properly cold. And Ben Island, my old head chef from Oxford, he says the first thing you do when you get to Tokyo, before you do anything, go get a bowl of ramen straight away. So I got there, got on the train into. In the Shinjuku, I didn't have a fucking clue where I was. I felt really poorly, but I couldn't check into my Airbnb for ages, so I went, "No, oh, I'll go get a bowl of ramen." And I went and got a tonkotsu bowl of ramen in this tiny, tiny little ramen bar, which everyone's been to. Like every every ramen bar is tiny in Tokyo, or most of them are anyway. And it were good. <laughs> like it were, it was just that first, like, well, pretty much swig of this thick white pork broth it was just like oh my god it just blew, just blew me away absolutely blew me away I've never eaten anything like it. it could just clear down over straight away but it was just the most tastiest thing I've ever had I'd obviously eaten ramen in a couple of places in Leeds which I thought were good a couple of places in London which are good got there and I don't want to be that guy that's like oh yeah if you want proper ramen you've got to go to Tokyo <laughs> but fuck me He's good, like, he's, <laughs> he's the business. I've never never had anything like it, and it, I can taste it now. You know, I must have, you know, I was there for a week the first time I went, and in a week, I'd, I bet I had 20 bowls. 20, 21 bowls, give or take, but that first one is, like, just instantly I can think of it now. Amazing.
0: And if you had to pick one of those five to be a special, to be your favourite dish of the five, which would you pick?
1: Shepherd's pie, man, are yeah. you mad? Yeah. I, I might as well have not asked. Shepherd's you. pie, yeah.
0: Apart, apart from the shepherd's pie, what would you have picked? Um I'll give you the shepherd's pie.
1: Yeah. Probably pie on croup, man. I love pie. Yeah,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, pie on croot, I reckon. Yeah, pie on croup pie.
0: For someone who is probably I'm, I consider myself quite knowledgeable about chefs and restaurants. You're ten times fold. Who, for the listeners, should we be watching out for? Who, apart from you, who, who in the in the country do you rate? Do you think is the kind of next generation along with you?
1: Well, I wouldn't put them along with me because they're definitely <laughs> better than me. Le- Leeds lad, Tom Spensley is the head chef at Kitchen Table. Bubble Dogs. Just been awarded two Michelin stars, but that guy is shit hot. Leeds lad, so I've got to to give him his dues. Uh, I'm sorry, Alex Bond, you know Alex Bond owns Al Camilla restaurant in Nottingham. If they don't get a Michelin star within the next year or two, I'll hang up my whites. Erm. there's quite a lot of names running <laughs> round my head. That's the hard, that's the hard thing that I might, good. I yeah, I might show up because yeah, if I no. say anything else, I we might offend a few people. No, two, all two's
0: all. good. I've been trying to get, well, trying to get both on the podcast actually. So hopefully, at some point, both of those might feature. Yeah,
1: either or of them. I mean, Bond, you know, Bond is mental. He's ace, I absolutely love him. And, it's a good restaurant there. Oh, it's, yeah, it's brilliant. Me, me and Ryan went. Um, Probably like the second or third service, and I've done a couple of pop ups with Alex in the past. You know, like he came to where I worked, and I helped him out on one of his and and stuff like that. And we've known each other for a lot of years, but he's just—he's such a good chef, man. Honestly, I've learned quite a lot from him. Like just working with him, he's such a such a talented guy. You know, his, his restaurant's fucking amazing. He's worked in some brilliant places. His food tastes ridiculously good. There's no way, there's no way he can't get a Michelin star. There's just no, there's no way.
0: That's why I praise
1: Mate, there's there no wasn't. way. Like, he, he's not gonna, he's not the kind of person to open a restaurant to get a Michelin star. That's not his sole purpose of opening a restaurant. You know, he's a cook, he's a good chef. You know, he wants to cook good food for people. But there's no way that you can have a restaurant as beautiful as it is, you've seen it, there's no way you can have a restaurant that's that good-looking, serve food that's that tasty, have a drink, you know, a, a bar and a drink, you know, drinks that good and service that good without getting a
0: Michelin star. No
1: fucking way.
0: No way. <laughs> I need to try and bring it back onto you, so we can we can end on you rather than you bigging up another chef. But yeah, then...
1: fuck off, Bondy.
0: <laughs> but then, as as you just said about collaboration, that might be that's quite nice because you are very collaborative.
1: Yeah, well, like, like I say, that's the that's the core of what we do. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to get these people down. You know, I ain't cooked with Bondy for ages. I ain't cooked with Tom Spencer before. I hope he's I hope he's listening to this.
0: Somehow we'll get it to
1: him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we you know we collaborate with people. That's that's what we do, and you know without being arrogant or anything like that. particularly when we get this you know, we're in the middle of doing a few like renovation projects and building new kitchens and stuff like that. So particularly when we've got this plush new kitchen to offer, without sounding arrogant, the environment of Harwood it's pretty desirable. You know what I mean? If if someone asked me to go and do a pop up there, I'd do it. You know what I mean? It's just it's, it's fucking amazing. It's absolutely beautiful. Why would you not want to cook there?
0: Well, I think your future and the project's future is massively exciting, and the project is all the richer for having you as the you know the head chef, the running of the the. What, what is your title? What's your job role? Head of everything? Um, well, I
1: don't, I don't know. I don't know. I was... being you know what I mean that's just what everyone else calls me but it's
0: it's all the best
1: yeah I don't know how I've managed to I've managed to swing it at my age but my title is Executive Chef of the Howard Food and Drink Project so
0: it's all the better for having you there I just just say full time legend full time uh, Bantasaurus Bantasaurus Rex Uh, and just Hero I love you so much (laughs) thank you so much for doing the podcast my pleasure it's about bloody time (laughs) (laughs) cheers mate nice one Thanks again to our fantastic series partners, Chefworks. Check them out on social media. Just search at Chefworks UK and Ireland on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Hashtag Chefworks wearer. If you wear Chefworks and you want to feature or get in touch with us and maybe you can appear as a chef of the month. Now that would be really cool to see a chefy listener of the past feature as a Chefworks wearer of the month. That would be really cool. You can get in touch with me on twitter as well at the past pod uh, i am also the underscore Pass underscore podcast on instagram or you can email me with stories of best dining experiences perhaps celebrities in restaurants is always fun uh, i'm at paul at the past and perhaps i will grovel with chef works for an apron for our best email that gets read out on the show that would be cool you could have your own apron chef works apron that would be really lovely to see somebody in that you can take a nice picture for us cheers guys and uh we will see you next time around on the past podcast cheers